Welcome to the anointed teaching preached at Church 316, the youth arm of the Fountain of Life Church. We hope that you be blessed as you listen to this message. So welcome to the second Sunday in the month of July. Help me announce to your neighbor, it's still your month, my month of supernatural breakthrough. And God is set to break through for us and through us in Jesus' name. Amen. Ooh, I feel so good. You know, like after you fellowship with God, you just kind of, you feel, I don't know, feel jiggy. <laughs> don't know what that means. But I feel really excited and I feel very good. Hallelujah. Okay, so let's look at unashamed. Please help me celebrate the evangelism and the follow-up team of this house doing an awesome job. I will not tell you what we went through before we came up with Unashamed, but it's, it's been an interesting journey. And I was telling Iano yesterday that, you know, w- when they came with the theme Unashamed, and I was thinking to myself, ah, oh, Holy Spirit, I need to find a way to marry Unashamed with the theme scripture for the month. And it looks like what an opposite, does it not? Unashamed and supernatural breakthrough. I'm like, what is the relationship? But then when I came here, I said, I'm so excited because I found the relationship. You know, the truth is there's no contradiction in the word of God. I think someone needs to hear that. There is no contradiction. If it seems like what you have read in one part of the scripture seems opposite to what you have read in another part of the scripture, it simply means that light has not shone on that message, scripture for you. The moment light shines on it, and it moves from being a Logos, written word, to a Rema, revelation for you, you will find the connection. So you see, anytime you read the scripture, and it seems like word and opposite, what do you do? Tell your neighbor, say, stay there. If you stay there long enough, you will find the way out. So just stay there. If there's any scripture you have ever read that seems confusing, just stay there. Stay there. Keep meditating on it. Keep asking the Holy Spirit to shed light upon it. You will eventually find that the scripture, the word of God, the Bible says that the word of God is given by the inspiration of God. It's good for profit. It's um, good for reproving and all of that. But there is no contradiction in the word of God. So I'm excited this morning. Um, so let's start with the theme scripture for today. Please open your Bibles with me to 2 Timothy 1. 2 Timothy one verses eight to nine. I'm um, reading the, the New King James Version. Verses eight to nine says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us, and called us with the holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which he has given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Paul writing to Timothy's son said, do not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And as he said, do not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I found out that the one place where he were one of the places where he displayed to us that he was not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's actually in 2 Corinthians 10. That's the theme scripture for the month. Amen? 
Now, please open your Bible with me to 2 Corinthians 10. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 45. That's our theme scripture for the month. It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every eye thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. If there's anything we have learned in this house is that the word of God should not be read in isolation. You read it in context so that you can understand. Now reading in context, we'll flip to verses one. Verses one says, now I, Paul, myself am pleading with you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence, who in presence am lowly among you, but being absent and bold towards you. But I beg you, that when I am present, I may not be bold with the confidence by which I intend to be bold against some. Who think of us as if we walked according to the flesh? For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war, against, we do not war according to the flesh. Then it goes on to say, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Now to give you a bit of context, there were some people in the church in Corinthians that had reason to question Paul's authority and apostleship. And some of them had even gone to say, it's only your message that you are big. Do you have some friends that when they send you text message, you think that they are big people. When you now see them, you now say, ah, so this is everything. You know the people that used to, like people that used to send me, so gentle reminder. And I sent one of, someone that sent me, um, um, Pastor Peter, this is a gentle reminder. I said, so after this, the next one will be harsh reminder. I'll be bitter reminder. So this critic had said, Paul, you are only big in your letter. When you come, I show TLA. They had spoken about Paul and said, what gives you the right, you know, to be an apostle? They had questioned his authority. You know, when people, oftentimes when people ask us questions about God like that, tendencies that we will be ashamed, three of us. Ask them questions. But then I found it interesting that Paul will attribute a question of his ability to spiritual warfare. Is it not interesting? They just say, Paul, what makes you think that you can talk to us? God say, the weapon of our warfare are not carnal. If it's me, I'll say, Paul, kill Agbe, kill Oju. As in, what? What do you do? What do you do? Because Paul understood that that kind of mindset will disrupt the growth and the health of the church. And Paul understands that this life is beyond the physical. He understands that this life is more spiritual than physical. And so when Paul sees a questioning of his authority in Christ Jesus, instead of beginning to question himself, and then be saying, ah, maybe I'm not really qualified to talk about this Jesus. He said, no, I see that the problem is not you. You see, sometimes the people you are fighting with, they are not the problem. So you are fighting the wrong battle. The devil that is helping them is the problem. So Paul said, you see, this critic in the church in Corinthians, you are not my problem. You see, that devil that is behind you, I will fight that devil. And so they will say, Paul, you cannot speak 
you are this, you are that. And then Paul will say, even though what you are asking me is in the flesh, I know that the flesh is a result of a spiritual mindset. Because the Bible says that it is in heaven, so is it on earth. So it's first spiritual before it's physical. And then Paul will take it personal and be like, no, I will fight it. And then he tells us, you don't fight a battle on the same plane by which it was brought to you. Tendencies are, you will lose. You cannot fight the flesh with the flesh. That's why you see all those people that say, um, if you come, I can, I can hold my body. You can, no, you cannot hold your body because you cannot fight the flesh with the flesh. My husband likes to say that the rain will fall like today, banana peel will fall on the floor, both of you will not sleep, you will not fall down on yourself. Problem. You don't fight a battle on the same plane. So when Paul identified that this battle of making me not post, let's bring it to modern terms, this battle of saying I should not post because I don't know what people will say, this battle of saying, oh, I went to share the word of God with this person and the person gave me a loud juke so let me just keep quiet. He realizes that this battle is more spiritual than it is physical. And then Paul says that I will not fight this battle on a physical plane. Because to fight the church in Corinth on a physical plane is to come back to them. Actually, he did it at the end. He said, when I come, I will punish all disobedience. But before I punish all disobedience, I will first fight the devil that is using you. After I have dealt with the spiritual problem, I will now deal with the physical problem. I love Paul. Kogba nonsense. You don't, you don't understand the Yoruba. I don't take nonsense. So he says, I will deal with it physically. I will deal with it spiritually. So when you find yourself in situations where you have shared the word, it's not particularly being accepted, or you find yourself, you know we spoke about lifestyle evangelism last week. You find yourself in a situation where you really, really want to be a child of God. But the person that is, that your boss, or that your colleague, or that your classmate, the person just knows how to bring out the worst in you. Do you have worst in you in the first place? The person just knows how to push your last button. Then you find out that what Paul was saying is when they come to you to push your last button and you know you have to respond as a child of God, you don't respond in the physical, you respond in the spirit. I remember one time I was going, I think I shared it here before, I was going somewhere and I knew that, ah, they asked me why am I late? Is light as sure because I'm, I, I don't have reason. I just, you know, one of those that you just wake up, you shall just be doing like this in the house. You are not looking for anything, or nothing is looking for you. You shall do like this. You know, you should be there at nine o'clock. You will not do like this on five minutes to nine. You are still doing like this. Now you will not say, Jesus, I'm late. You will not rush. You will not get it. Not say, Why are you late? You say it's traffic. Was it traffic? Okay, in the house, traffic. In house, traffic. So, you know, it was one of those days. And I said, ah, God, I'm going to be temperate. So as I was entering, not my current office, as I was entering that office that day, I said, Jesus, if they ask me why am I late, because I'm a leader, I have to set example. I can't say that I'm just parambulating. I said, God, if they ask me, I will just blow one big one. So if you don't want me to blow it, when I just enter like this, let everybody just forget. All of us just late. So I said the prayer, I drove in, and I got there, and honestly, nobody asked me why I was late. And you know, when you see some people, you're like, don't greet them too much, because they can't remember. <laughs> so I was walking carefully. But to the end of the event, nobody said, oh, why did you come late? I don't know if all of us came late, but I was sure the most late 
But nobody bothered asking. I was like, ah, so you don't like me to lie? Thank you, Jesus. I never have to lie again. Because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. The Bible says that God has given us a holy. And I'm using lie because it's the most easiest. Now you can think of it to the most thing that God will want you to do. To the most way he will want you to respond. And understand that if the Holy Spirit can help with something as little as, well, it's not little, child, because the Bible said that all sin are sin. If the Holy Spirit can help with a lie, he can help with just about anything. And how do you do it? Realize that it's not in the flesh. We take it into the spirit. So we take it into the spirit. So what are these weapons? What do we use in the spirit um, that Paul is saying? And, you know, I saw something as I was meditating. You see, these strongholds, right? We established last week that they start in the mind, right? Now, sometimes these strongholds are twofold. There's external strongholds. There's internal stronghold. For Paul, it was external in the sense that they questioned his authority and his rights and his wordings and his presence and all of that. For some of us, it's internal. The reason you are not evangelizing has nothing to do with the external. has everything to do with your insight. You have told yourself how unworthy you are. Or the devil has told you and you have internalized it. Telling yourself how unworthy you are, how God cannot use you, how you don't have the right words to say. And you know all the other things that we think about that makes us not show up when God wants us to um, share. I saw a video online. And I told Tosin we we're going to play it. Tosin, can you play the video? I'll tell you when to stop. You have the video? Okay, let's watch that video. Strongholds of twofold. Okay. Art connoisseurs could only watch in horror as an expensive piece was shredded before their eyes. No sooner did the gavel come down to mark the sale of Banksy's Girl with Balloon for a record $1.4 million, did the picture start to slip out of its frame into shreds below. The anonymous artist claims to be behind the stunt. On Instagram, he posted a photo of his prank with the caption, going, going, gone. In a later post, he explained how he did it. And it seems this stunt was years in the making. He claims he built the shredder into the painting's frame in case it ever sold at auction. Witnesses couldn't believe what they were seeing. We can only imagine what the buyer was thinking. The person's identity hasn't been revealed. Okay. Sotheby's claims. Do you know what just happened? You understand what just happened? They just sold the painting for $1.4 million. The moment he hit it as sold, the painting started to shred itself. Why? The person that drew the painting already had an inbuilt shredder that whenever it goes up for auction. If you see the, image, the video properly, you'll see security guards they were guarding the external of the painting. Who was guarding the inside of the painting? The problem with strongholds is that sometimes we are too focused on the outside. We don't see internal strongholds. And sometimes the more dangerous are those unchecked voices that we leave on our inside. Those unchecked whispers 
that the devil allowed to ferment on our inside and we don't check it. And slowly but surely, like that painting, is shredding and chopping us off. I don't know if the guy ever got his 1.4 million naira, But I don't want to, sorry, dollars. But I don't want us to just focus on strong goals that are external. I want us to look inwards and check those self-sabotaging thoughts. Check those self-sabotaging behaviors and habits and practices that are slowly but surely shredding us. And ensure that as we guard the act external against the enemy, we also guard the internal. So what weapons do we use to prevent whether internal shredding or outside boxing? Please open your Bibles with me to Ephesians 6. We will wrap up quickly with Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6, verses 10 to 18. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. It says, put on the old armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle. Here's Paul writing again. He says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Do you think that the devil would allow you, just without anything, take that soul that he had labored for? Do you know what that soul caused the devil? Do you know how many girls he sent to that soul? Do you know how many friends he sent to that soul with alcohol and booze? Do you know how many distractions, you know how many legions of his demons he assigned to that one soul to ensure that that soul does not make heaven? You, you now come and think that. You will just do like this with one flyer. You do not even pray. I know we are not the one that do, we're not the, it's not our responsibility to convert, but we have a part to play. We established last week that we are in partnership with God on this journey. So he says that against principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against the spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil days. And I'm sure we don't need to tell us what days we are in. He says, and having done all to stand, stand therefore. Then he goes on to explain what the armors are. So I will quickly explain the armors, right? Number one is truth. It says, uh, it says, having guarded your waist with truth. We know that truth is not a reality. Truth is a person. In this world where people say, my truth, your truth, everybody has a truth. Truth has to be absolute. We have established that here before. If it's the truth, it has to be universal. It has to have a universal appeal for it to be a truth. If you're a millionaire in Nigeria, you're a thousandaire in America, you are not a millionaire, that's not the truth because it's relative. Simply because a lion in Nigeria is a lion in U.S., regardless of distance and space, that's the truth. So a truth cannot be relative. A truth is a truth. But we know that more than a truth being relative is that the truth is a person. Jesus says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. Why would scripture say that guard your waist? Do you know what your, the function of your waist? Your waist determines how you stand, how you sit, and how you walk. Have you ever had waist pain? If you have waist pain, they, you don't even have to tell anybody. What did, what did the angel do to Jacob? He just shifted the waist. He shift, once he shifted it, there was a change. 
And he's saying that let your waist, let how you walk, let how you stand, let how you sit be guided by a person, Jesus. That's why Psalm 1 verse 1 says, blessed is the man that does not stand in the counsel of the ungodly. Because if you ensure that the way you stand, walk, and sit is based on the principles and the doctrines of Jesus, tendencies are, you are protected. You are blessed already. That's what Psalm 1 says. Tendencies are, if, you, if the way you walk, talk, and sit is defined by Jesus, you don't have to say much. People will see you and say, you want to be, you want to know this Jesus. So first of all, ensure that Jesus is the truth that guards your waist, how you stand, how you walk, and how you sit. It means that it guards the people that you stand with, the people that you sit with, the people that you walk with. Especially in a world where we have compartmental life. People have, I don't want to say how many of us, but you know we have church friends and others. Amen. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Number two weapon, it says, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Do you know why righteousness is your breastplate? Your breast region encompasses your heart, your desires, your emotions, your will. So it's saying that ensure that your emotions are covered with righteousness. You know what righteousness means? Be in right standing with God. Ensure that your desires, your emotions, ensure that there is no, bit if it's righteousness, there can be no bitterness, unforgiveness, or guile. Because if it's righteousness, it's right standing with God. It's not that people will not offend you, but as scriptures has enjoined us to forgive 70 times 70, your attention is on Jesus. Your emotions, your heart, your will is guarded, is covered by righteousness. When your will is covered by righteousness, have you seen that there are some people that the devil cannot harm? Case in point, Job. Job had to tell God that, um, uh, sorry, not Job. Satan had to tell God that, can't you see Job? You have put an edge around him. Because when, the Bible says that when a man's way is pleasing the Lord, it says even his enemies will become his friends. So when your heart, your emotion is guarded by righteousness, you don't have to find stronghold. There is already a defense against the stronghold. Number three weapon. It says, and having your feet, having shrouded your feet, having shrouded your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Your feet guards your direction. It tells you where you're going. So God says that where, where you go should be guarded by the gospel of peace. Peace. Number four. Number four says, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the evil one. You know what a shield means, right? A shield protects you. So what you do is you have faith. And Bible says that God has given us unto us all a measure of faith. With faith, you can quench every fiery dart of the evil one. Now what is faith? Hebrews 11 one gives us an explanation of faith. He says faith is the substance of things hoped for. is the evidence of things unseen. So when the devil comes with his attacks and all of that, you use faith to say no. The devil says, ah, you are sick. You say no, by the stripes of Jesus I am healed. The devil comes and say, you don't have a sound mind. No, you are getting depressed, you are getting anxious. You say no, God has not given me the spirit of fear, but he has given me power, love, and a sound mind. You 
wave away every fiery dart of the enemy with your faith in God. What if, the devil says, what if God does not do it? My God will do it. That's faith. An unshakable belief that God is who he says he is. That he will do what he has promised that he would. When you have that, there is no stronghold that can stand. Because you are unmovable in who God has said. So, your means of defense should be faith in God. That's number what now? Number four, amen. Number five, it says, and take the element of salvation. I like this element of salvation. The element of salvation covers your head. Have you ever seen anyone go into battle and they leave their head exposed? Even Goliath that covered his head, that's what David went for. Because he knows that once you can get a man's head, that's the end, the body will fall. Your body follows your head. You see people that they put off, the, when they say the person is brain dead, you know that's the end. There's no more hope. So God is saying, don't be brain dead. Let salvation cover your brain. Isn't it not amazing that it's not faith that covers your brain? Because without salvation, everything else cannot work. So it says, cover your head with the element of salvation. I used the Jack Ava study Bible and he was explaining that salvation is in threefold. And I'll go through it quickly. It says the first one is called justification. And I agree with him. That's what I'm sharing. Right? Justification. It says justification is salvation that comes when we trusted in Christ. The Bible says that and you are justified by faith. So that's the first one. Then, then comes sanctification. Sanctification is the saving as the Holy Spirit begins to control and work in us. So you are justified. You are declared whole. You, sanctification, your justification is once, is an instance. Do you understand what I mean? The devil, you know, the way we say it is like you have never seen before. You then become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus like you have never seen. It says all things have passed away. All things have become new. But then the sanctification is the process that says you work out your salvation. It's still a salvation process. You allow the Holy Spirit begin to prune you. You allow the Holy Spirit begin to cut off those parts of you that will not be pleasing to God. That's the sanctification. It's still salvation, but it's a process. And then the last part of salvation, we all know that the, what do they call it? The culmination of salvation is when we rapture with Christ. That he defined as glorification. It's the saving that we share at the Lord's final triumph or the trumpet. Because the Bible says that we don't know what we will yet be or how we would yet be. It says, but when, we, when he comes, we know that we will be like him. So Paul is enjoining us to ensure that salvation guards our element. Justification, sanctification, that process of the Holy Spirit walking through us, cutting that which needs to be cut, and ultimately we will be glorified. Salvation, that understanding of our union and oneness in Christ, that I'm no longer alone, I now share life, like Pastor Ty will say, I share life with God. Salvation, our oneness with God. The position that we now have in Christ Jesus. Number six is the word of God. It says the word of God is the sword of the spirit. TPT says that it's the spoken word of God. So what makes the word of God a weapon is not that the, when I was growing up, right, my parents used to open Psalm 91, Psalm 16, all the Psalms, they would now put it under the Bible and tell us to sleep. The devil don't read the Psalm on your behalf. In fact, the devil knows the Psalm and hopes to God that you don't know it. 
So TPT explains that it is the spoken word of God. The word of God becomes a weapon when you speak it. If all it is is in your phone, maybe it's on your phone and in your Bible and you carry it around, my dear, it don't work. Have you seen plastic gun? Have you seen water gun? What's the name of, what's the end of the name of all of them? Gone. Water gun, plastic gun, toy gun, all on are gone. But there's a difference between AK-45 gun and water gun. The difference is the damage that it will do to you. So the difference in the word of God is that it's in your mouth. Bible says that the word of God is near you. It's in your heart and in your it didn't end that it's just in your heart. It's in your mouth. So put the word of God in your mouth as a weapon. And then, you know, oftentimes people say it's the last one, but this is the way I see this weapon. I see one to six as the bullet. Then I see number seven as the shell of the gun. Or as the gun itself, right? It says, um, number eight, verse 13 says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. So you pray always, not sometimes, always. All kind of prayers in the spirit. Praying in tongues, praying in your understanding, as long as it's directed by the spirit of God. Praying always. Now when you pray in the, when you pray in the spirit, James 4 verse 3 says that, you know, you will have what you say because you're not praying amiss. That's what James 4 verse 3 says. First John 5, um, First John 5, 14 to 18 talks about you will have that which you say when you pray in the spirit. So one way to ensure that the truth is your truth. You pray, you understand the truth. Remember the truth is the word of God is Jesus, right? Way to ensure that, you know, righteousness guards your, your heart. You pray. Remember I said, when I wanted to sin, I said, Jesus, help me. He helped me. I guide myself, right? Um, praying directs your heart. The gospel of peace shields you as a, faith, as, um, as a shield of faith. Your element of salvation. Bible says that with the heart man believes. With the mouth. I know you hear you people. With the mouth. Unto salvation. So the Bible then says the end of it is to pray always. That's why you will find Paul writing to these churches. He's always praying. He ensures that he's walking, he's sitting, he's talking. Is the truth. So there, there is no guile in Paul. You can't say, Paul, you are saying that we should be this and you are not that. He will tell you that if I tell you to pray, I already pray more than all of you. Do you understand what I mean? When you do this, there is absolutely no stronghold, whether internal or external, that can hold you bound because everything harkens to the voice of the word of God. So if your righteousness does not work it, your faith will. If your faith does not work it, the word of God will. The word of God will definitely work it. Because when you pray, you pray the word of God. With all this bowed, Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that you help us to keep these weapons that you have provided for us and to use it. To fight against every fairy that and every stronghold in our lives. And the one that the enemy may bring to us. We ask that you help us use these weapons and that many will see the way we walk in truth. They will see our righteous acts and they would want to come to know God. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We give you all the praise. Blessed be your name. 
thank you for listening to this message. For more information, please visit www.vchurch316.org. God bless you.